Hello, and welcome to the Profiting from Data podcast. Today's episode features an interview with John Farrell, co-founder of 90West Data. John has a background in fundamental equity research and started 90West to take customer transaction data to institutional markets. On this episode, John talks about the risks of allocating scarce resources when testing a data set and his experience as an entrepreneur dealing with issues like PII and MNPI. He also talks about streamlining compliance, data vendor consolidation, and interesting data sets for investors in 2021. Please enjoy this dialogue between John and your host, Emmett Kilduff. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How did you get involved in the alternative data space? So my partner, Pat Hearns, and I started 90 West about a year ago, specifically to take U.S. consumer transaction data to the institutional investor market. We both have backgrounds in traditional fundamental equity research. Pat was most recently the director of research at a firm called Longbow. I was most recently a partner and institutional salesperson at a firm called Cleveland Research. Both those firms are known for their fundamental equity research, deep dives, do a lot of surveys, a lot of channel work. They both enjoy strong reputations in the marketplace. And as we surveyed the landscape over the past 10 years, but really accelerating the last two or three, what our customers were telling us as they moved their budgets more towards data was this is what they were interested in. They wanted to see what the data offering would be like. So Pat and I, uh, long story short, but we got our hands on a unique panel of US consumer transaction data that we were able to bring to market, clean up. We see the alternative data space as being really in their early innings and see it as a huge opportunity. Got some validation in the marketplace this year from a couple customers and are really comfortable with where we are and look forward to continuing to move forward in the alternative data space. Very good. So not a lot of vendors that we would speak to actually come from the sales side or from the research or investment banking side. So that's quite interesting. So I'd like to ask a few questions there, if I may. What percentage of sales side firms today do you think are using alternative themselves? I don't think it's a very high number. I think it's growing. You've seen over the past couple of years, sell side firms that adopt the traditional process. We're going to have a buy, sell, hold report that you publish. You cover specific stocks and they inform those decisions with alternative data. So they'll say, we'll go out and buy alternative data from different vendors and publish these reports. You're seeing the traditional guys see what their customers are telling them, which is essentially, I want more data and making adjustments, either trying to create a product internally, either some have split off an arm where they're saying, this is the arm of our firm that's going to be specifically focused on data. So they are adjusting to that. It's not easy to change your business model midstream like that, but it's definitely what the customers are telling the sell side that they want to see this going forward. It must be quite frustrating if you're an all-star analyst or you're a highly ranked analyst and you're still using traditional approaches and your firm or your culture or your boss isn't looking to sort of enable you an army with data and tools to extract insights from the data. It must be quite frustrating. I would imagine it would be frustrating, but a lot of these guys do really good work and have done good work for a long time and know these companies inside and out. And what they will see, and I think it'll become more easy to get their hands on data that will be additive to their process that they've been using for 20 years. And it's going to make them better analysts and they'll figure it out. And I don't think those types of people who are the all-star analysts should fear losing their job or anything along those lines. I think this alternative data is just going to make them better analysts at the end of the day. At Eagle Alpha, we advise data vendors not to give 
all the granular data to the sell side to an investment bank because if a big bulge bracket firm has access to the fire hose of data and they identify the alpha, they will ping out the juicy stuff, the alpha to their whole client base. We often see vendors giving maybe aggregated level data or sectoral level data to the sell side and using it as a way for marketing, but not giving the entire data set to the sell side. Is that consistent with what you've been seeing? I've seen that. Our approach at 90 West has been to not sell to the sell side and just keep it specifically focused for our customer base, which is these institutional investment firms. Yeah. Very good. So you're now, I think, recently entered your second year as a vendor. I'm sure you were preparing for it before you launched. You know, you've probably been looking at this for a few years now. What What are your key lessons learned having been in the space for a while now? I've learned a lot. A veteran entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, so you know this, told me as I got started, whatever I plan, plan for it to take twice as long and cost twice as much. And she was right on the money there. One thing I didn't fully appreciate getting into this was how complex it was to work with some of this data. And there's a good quote from Steve Jobs that says, simple can be harder than complex. You have to work hard to get your thinking clean and make it simple. And we've really done our best to make our offering as simple, complete, and easy to work with as possible. And I think that framework in going into working with this data has been helpful. Another thing I didn't fully appreciate getting into this is the commitment required from the prospective customer to test the data complete a compliance review, engage with the data. These are really scarce resources when you start talking about the data science team at some of these firms. And to allocate scarce resources to an untested data set, it could take months on end to do this. And there's really no guarantee they're going to find anything of value. And I've heard numbers at your most recent conference here of less than 10% of the data sets that are trialed actually go to production and these firms find value. So that long sales cycle is something that I guess I didn't fully appreciate. And then the last thing I'll mention here is on the compliance side. And Pat and I, both having been in this space for a long time, we understood the hot button issues like PII and MNPI, and we knew what we had to watch out for. It took longer than we thought to pull all the documentation together, get all the I's dotted and T's crossed to make sure we had the documentation we needed. And frankly, Having spent so much time up front, I think it saved us time on the back end as we sold to these folks. But that took us a little bit more time and it was a little more in-depth, I guess, than I thought it would be. So if you were to start again tomorrow, John, for yourself and Pat, what would you do differently? Have a little bit more patience. I would have a little bit more patience to understand that the process was going to take a little bit more time. Frankly, I would engage with firms like Eagle Alpha sooner than we did, just because you guys are knee-deep in alternative data space and know the ropes, know who's who, and can give a lot of good advice about the best way to approach this stuff. And so over the years, having sat in the south side firms, and have spoken to a lot of institutional clients, you would have probably come across some really fascinating case studies or case studies of how data can be used. What, if I was to put you under pressure and say, you know, what's the best use case that you've ever heard of regarding alternative data, what would it be? Well, there's a lot. And luckily, when the consumer transaction data space that we're in, it's it's pretty straightforward. I mean, the reason you're using this is to get a gauge on changing transaction patterns at specific merchants or insights into changes by demographic age cohort or geographic area or just overall consumer health and what's going on with that. And today, it seems the primary use case that a lot of these institutional investors are using this for is short term and They're looking for near-term divergences between 
company performance that they're able to see with our data and consensus expectations. And they'll make a trade based on that data. And it's typically very short term. And our initial target market has been these big, sophisticated investors who have worked with data for a long time. And frankly, you don't hear a lot about how they're using it day to day because they're taking our data set, mixing it with other data sets in a proprietary manner to them and giving themselves signals in the market that they would use. That said, I think there's a huge opportunity going forward within the institutional investor space as people appreciate that this data can be useful for long-term investment decisions as well. So if you have a three to five-year time horizon, this type of data, alternative data in general, but consumer transaction data in particular, you can really monitor those investments, see if your thesis has changed over time, and really get a good handle on what's going on with your long-term. And I think that broadens the market tremendously as institutional investors start to realize that. Then uh, another piece that we're really excited about is on the corporate side. And at a recent conference you guys had, you dedicated an entire day to this. And you and I, I think, are of the same opinion that this market is multiples the size of the institutional investor market. I think they're a couple of years behind as far as the level of sophistication and how they're using the data. But whether it's promotional effectiveness or competitive intelligence or benchmarking against peers, that's all this kind of data can be used for. I think you need to make it really easy to use as a data vendor. I think the companies need to have C-level buy-in because it's going to be a little bit of time before it starts to pay dividends. And you have to, as a CEO or C-level, you have to have that patience and dedication as a company to get involved. The next market I'll talk about is PE firms. Another area where the Eagle Alpha team dedicated an entire day to the conference to this. And we're seeing those guys. We don't have any PE customers today. We have been in touch with a number of them. It seems like today the initial use case is more project-based. So they're saying, I got to do a deep dive and do some diligence on this specific company and specific area. And I'm going to need this data for three months or two months. And while that's a good use case, and I think there's definitely value to be added there, I think the better use case is to have a constant stream of this data so you can source deals, you can be ready to go with your due diligence as needed. And I think that's a big opportunity going forward. I think it's a couple years away. And the last, which is the furthest away, is the government side. And there's an initiative out of the G20 called DGI Data Gaps Initiative. And the most recent publication, you could Google this, but the most recent publication was in October And this is very slow moving, but they've acknowledged, I see it as acknowledgement of the way we're doing things, the data we're using isn't sufficient. And we need to figure out, especially during COVID, this was really apparent that when things go to zero, a lot of these data streams don't work. And it's really hard to inform policy decisions if you don't have any data coming in. So I think there's a space for alternative data in that world as well. Again, years away, likely. But the fact that there's this initiative out there out of the G20 is an indication that they're starting to think about this stuff. And I think that's a really nice opportunity going forward, for sure. Great. Lots of good content there. Short term, you mentioned, is the primary use case at the moment within the institutional investors. Can you give a specific example of where it's worked really well, where your data's worked very well for a specific stock? Well, we have done correlation analyses with our data. We know our data as well as anybody. Uh, We spend all day looking at this stuff. And we have strong correlations with a number of stocks that we are really focused on. We map directly to tickers, over 300 tickers that our data sets maps to. And we leave it up to the client to incorporate that how they will. We try, we want to get away from the traditional sell side 
operation of buy the stock, sell the stock, and more. Here's the data. Here's what the data is telling us. Let the buy side guy make the decision as to what to do with that data. Yeah. Okay. Your comment on short-term versus long-term, I totally agree with. I think sometimes alternative data, maybe two, three, four years ago, got a bad name because everyone thought it was just for short-term purposes. And credit card data sets were all about predicting the earnings for Netflix. And that was it. But of course, that's being quite narrow in one's view. It can be great for inflection points, long-term trends, and so on. So I agree that longer-term investors and private equity are and should be looking at this data. From a strategy perspective within the institutional vertical, is it all equity funds or are there other types of funds looking at your data, such as maybe macro or something else? At the current moment, it's all equity funds. It's firms that are focused on equities. Our data happens to be specifically focused on US consumers, so it's US focused. Now, there are firms globally, obviously, that buy and sell US stocks. So there is interest globally in our information. But at this time, we're seeing the most interest out of those equity-focused firms. Okay. Then within corporates, do you have any corporate clients today? Are you able to say that? We do not have any corporate clients today. Okay. But competitive intelligence, promotions, that's a focus for you going into 2021? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And private equity, yeah, due diligence is definitely where the most action is in terms of dollars and time. To me, it feels like PE is about five years behind the quantumental and quants, but massive opportunity. Massive. I would agree with you there, both in the opportunity and the timing of it. Yeah. Yeah. Government, that's really interesting. I hadn't heard of that initiative. I think COVID has been a major catalyst for the data space at a very high level because governments, ministries of finance, municipalities in the states all need more real-time data to understand what's going on. So that bodes well for the medium to long-term. It does. And you're right with COVID. There was a number of stories that came out about how when things really stopped in March, April, May, the traditional data sources that they were using to inform policy decisions or anything along those lines, a lot of them broke. And it was really hard if you're sitting in a government position to understand what's going on in the real world when your traditional data sources aren't working. So that is one of the big initiatives, as I understand it, behind this DGI. And again, it's, you know how quickly the government moves. It'll probably be a few years before they're really engaging with alternative data providers. But I think that's a really big opportunity over the next couple of years, for sure. Have you tried selling into munis in the US? We have not tried that, no. They might be able to move faster than some of the bigger... I would hope, yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay. So outside of the consumer transaction data category, it's one of 26 in our taxonomy. What other examples excite you, you know, having worked on the street? I like the natural language processing guys who I find that fascinating. The guys who can look at earnings conference calls and get a sense of, is the executive nervous or is the executive feeling positive? I think that's really interesting. Now, the use case for that, it's a little bit more difficult, but I think that that technology is really interesting. The satellite guys get a lot of attention. And you know it's interesting because those are guys where there's only so many satellite data feeds. It's the idea of different guys are processing it more effectively than others. Whereas our data set is unique to us. Nobody else can get it. And so that makes it a little bit different. That's taking like, for example, weather data is another one where it's the weather's the same. The weather data is the same. It's different people process it differently. And you have to figure out as a data buyer, who's processing it the best for your use cases and work with that vendor. But there are And having attended a number of these conferences, as you guys have noted, there's over a thousand different data vendors selling stuff and we're just getting started. So the opportunity and the creative people and the technology are going to really surprise us over the next couple of years. And 
there's a huge opportunity. I think we're in the first inning for a lot of this stuff. There's a huge opportunity to be had for everybody. So the consumer transaction data category is probably one of the most competitive, particularly where you're based, John, in the US. You clearly had your eyes wide open when you were setting up your business. So you were confident to enter what is a competitive market. Love to get your thinking behind that and really understand why your data is unique versus your competitors. So first of all, there's room in the market for a lot of players. I think with the way things are growing, it's certainly not a zero-sum game. And I think there's going to be a lot of different people who win. Our goal has been to be a high-quality provider for our, our clients. And that's one of the things we learned in the almost 20 years on the traditional sell side is you can gain the trust and become a trusted partner for a lot of these big firms. That's a big step. And so we want to be somebody that they feel like they can rely on, somebody that they want to rely on. So for us to deliver a product that adds value, that's complete, consistent, transparent, meaning you try to minimize the surprises, that to us is really important. And I think if we deliver on that, I think we're going to have a really good long run with a lot of these customers. And are you able to give any color about maybe the demographics of the panel that are how that's different versus... I think we're going to hold off on sharing too many details. But what I've been told from our potential customers who have seen, I've never seen my competitors' data, is our data is a little bit different. It offers a little bit different look into the US consumer than maybe some others do. And therefore, they're going to buy multiple consumer transaction data sets. It's not a you buy one or the other. Oftentimes, it's I can buy more than one and find them to be additive if we bring them together. Yeah, I totally agree, especially for the bigger firms. That term mine and combine is one of my favorite sayings or, or you know, the holy grail is knowing which data sets to combine for stronger signals. And that's definitely where the thought leaders are looking to get to. Very few firms, I think, are perfectly there. I think it's probably certainly less than 20. It's a pretty complex undertaking. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. 20 might be generous. Yeah. And maybe somewhere between 10 and 20, maybe it is difficult and you need big resources. But it um, pays dividends. If you could figure it out and do it right, it definitely pays dividends. Definitely yeah, pays dividends. It's a competitive advantage just to being able to do that. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so as we look to the future, John, we're a couple of weeks away from 2021. What are your predictions for the old data space? And for you guys, I'd love to hear one for the space and two for you. What's coming down the pipe? Yeah, well, in the space, you know, I think we're going to see continued market growth. I think that is something I think is pretty well documented by Eagle Alpha and others. I think you're going to start to see consolidation among the vendors because with over a thousand, it just gets too noisy and you have to figure out a way to make it a little bit easier on the prospective buyers to sift through who's good and who's not in these list of thousands. So I think there's got to be some consolidation. I don't know if that happens via different data vendors coming together, or if you have traditional sell-side firms starting to buy some of these guys to get into the business and have an offering. So that's to be determined, but I think there's definitely an opportunity for consolidation there. And I think there's an opportunity to streamline the entire process. And when it comes to compliance, it doesn't make sense for 90 West Data to fill out 40 different due diligence questionnaires when we're answering 90% of the questions are exactly the same. So to streamline that process would be really helpful to streamline the onboarding and testing of data so that the buyers can increase that success rate from 5 or 10% to 30 or 40% would be a huge benefit. You have to fail fast. So if something's not working, get it out and move to the next thing and standardize a lot of the inputs and how things are evaluated. That is going to be, I think, a huge deal when somebody figures out how to get critical mass and do that in the future. For 90 West, 
we're going to continue to do what we've been doing, which is try to be a really high quality partner to our clients. We do plan to expand into additional markets, corporate and PE are, are people we've been in touch with. And those are long sales cycles like everything else. But we're moving in the right direction with that. And C2021 is a pretty exciting year for us. Very good. And I've certainly taken note of the fact that you publish a weekly newsletter on the space, which I don't think any other vendor does. We do at Eagle Alpha, our own newsletter. But how can the audience reach out or follow your newsletters? You can find me on LinkedIn, where I try to be pretty active, at 90 West Data on Twitter or our website, 90westdata.com. I found myself doing that anyway and reading as much as you could, trying to figure out what's going on in the alternative data space. And I said, a good discipline will be if I start to write this up, because then I kind of have to do it. And I will be frank here. The first couple I wrote only went to my wife, me, my partner, Pat, and it's caught on a little bit. We have a pretty good following and get some pretty good feedback. And for this space, it's kind of a niche. And there's a lot of really smart people doing some really creative, interesting things. And that if you pay attention to it, you're going to see something You know, over the next couple of years, this is going to be a really exciting space to be paying attention to, for sure. It comes full circle. It goes back to your roots as an institutional salesman, putting out weekly messages and notes to clients, right? I used to have lots of colleagues that did it's that. It, it's uh, in my blood, I think. It's in my blood. It's in your blood, as a special salesman type approach. Well, John, very nice to connect. I look forward to reading more of your weekly outputs and wish you and 90 West data the best for 2021. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. That's a wrap for this episode of Profiting from Data. Thank you for listening. This podcast series is brought to you by Eagle Alpha, the pioneer in alternative data. To learn about Eagle Alpha's solutions for data vendors and buyers, please visit eaglealpha.com.